Hello, welcome to the fifth episode of the Raspberry Pi podcast. My name's Michael Horn. I'm a Raspberry Pi enthusiast and blogger. Sorry it's been so long. I've been busy organising the December Cambridge Raspberry Jam and also had to audition for a show I'm performing in June. This podcast will follow the same formula as previous podcasts and I hope you enjoy it. Before we start, I just want to tell you about a Christmas giveaway competition I'm running on my blog. There are three prize groups and it's completely free to enter. All you have to do is fill in a form and you're entered. Big thanks to the, to the Pie Hut, Pimeroni and Ryan Tech for providing the prizes. Really very much appreciated guys, thank you. Head over to recanthor.co.uk slash blog and you'll see the link on the page or check out the links at the bottom of this blog post. As usual, if I mention something in the podcast, I'll add a link to it on a post on my blog to save reading out all the massive URLs. So let's start off with some news. Seeing as it's Christmas, let's start off by mentioning the Raspberry Pi Foundation's Christmas Shopping Guide. Alex has picked a lot of good stuff here, including kits, add-ons, books and accessories. I was going to do my own guide, but she's done a very good job with this, so I probably won't. It's nice to see things like the CamJam Educate getting some love, along with things like the Raspio GPIO Zero Ruler and the Ryantech SnowPi, along with more expensive things such as the PyTop and the PyTop Seed. The Raspberry Pi Foundation has announced the imminent availability of two online training courses that will help you get started with the Raspberry Pi and get a certificate at the end of it. The courses are Teaching Physical Computing with Raspberry Pi and Python, and teaching programming in primary schools. It's particularly, that last one is particularly for existing primary school teachers looking to broaden their abilities. They are both four-week courses requiring about two hours per week and they commence on the 20th of February. I think this is a great idea. It gives the opportunity for qualifications to all those teachers who aren't able to, or aren't released to, attend a full-on Pi Academy. It's also great news for people like myself who help to run jams but aren't used to delivering workshops in a teachy kind of way. Another piece of news from the Foundation. Simon Long has announced an update to Raspbian in which SSH will be disabled by default. For most people this relatively minor change won't cause any problem. You can use your Pi just as you did before with a mouse and a keyboard. However, for those of you who use headless Pies, i.e. without a keyboard and a screen, this changes things. You will not be able to remotely connect to your Pi with SSH unless you enable it first. You can do this in a couple of ways. You can use the Raspi config GUI or command line version to turn it on from the interfaces tab. Or you can put a file called SSH in the slash boot directory, which is accessible via Windows for example. It's the partition you can see natively. The file can be completely empty, but just pop that file there and it'll enable it. This is all to do with keeping your Raspberry Pi more secure. It's bound to annoy somebody, of course, but I think it's for the best in the long run. Next, PyTop are running of Christmas competition in which you must pit your wits against their fiendish programming challenges. There are four standard levels to complete before you're entered in their raffle, plus bonus levels just for fun. The raffle has three prizes, a PyTop laptop and two PyTop seeds. It's well worth the time it takes to work out the puzzles. The competition closes on Monday, so make sure you play it over the weekend. I've had a go myself. It's difficult, but not undoable. Um, it's visual programming, so there's no scripting. And it's, it's, great. it's great logical fun, so make sure you have a go.
One more piece of news from the Raspberry Pi Foundation. They've just announced the Pioneers program. For this program, they're looking for kids aged 12 to 15 to be digital makers. Makers will form teams of up to four people and take on challenges that the foundation will set and then share their projects online. The best projects will win Money Can't Buy Prizes, according to the foundation, and Cool Swag. Every team will require an adult mentor, and the foundation are also putting the call out for these volunteers. This seems like a really exciting program. I'll keep an eye out for developments and let you know when the challenges are announced. That's it for the news. Here's some product-related information. Raspberry Pi Megastore, the Pi Hut, has just relaunched their website with over 3,500 new products added to their range. The range, which is aimed at makers, includes products from popular manufacturers such as Adafruit, Seed and DF Robot, and other more niche companies, so you never know what you might find. It's really great news for fans of blinky and non-blinky makery type things. Not such good news for your bank balance, one would imagine, so head over to the Pyre Hut to take a look. Mark Williams, over at Australian add-on board design company Ozmaker, has just announced that they have two new products. The Berry GPS uses an M10478-A2 GPS module from Antonova, which is able to track 22 satellites and requires no external antenna, assuming you can see the sky. It costs 48 Australian dollars, which is about 28 pounds. Berry GPS-IMU uses the same Antonova chip but adds on several sensors, an accelerometer, a gyroscope, a magnetometer, a barometric altitude reader, and a temperature sensor. This one costs 73 Australian dollars, which is about 43 pounds. They are zero sized, but will work on any Raspberry Pi. The later board is an improvement on the original Berry IMU with which Mark had a success on Kickstarter. I had great fun with the Berry IMU, and it remains a critical part of my Pi Quarter project. It's definitely recommended. Mark produces lovely boards. Western Digital has announced some new products in their Pi Drive range. The Pi Drive is a series of hard drives which can be powered and driven directly off the Pi's USB ports. The Foundation Edition is designed to take the operating system burden off of the SD card and onto the hard drive. The edition comes with a 4GB SD card that straight away tells the Pi to boot from the hard drive. It also has the ability to store multiple versions of an OS on the same drive, so you can pick and choose which project to boot up. There are three versions of the Foundation Edition, 375GB, 250GB and a 64GB flash drive version for those who haven't got as much physical space. The prizes are £37 or $37, £29 or $29 and £19 or $19 respectively. They can be purchased directly from the Western Digital US website or from the UK website. I haven't seen any other distributors at the moment. That's it for products news. Now we're going to move on to some, some crowdfunding projects. First of all, I want to give a shout out to Zach and Jake, who are currently running their first Indiegogo campaign together for the Maketronics Alarm. It's a pre-soldered add-on board for the Pi onto which you can attach a PIR movement sensor. It's been designed to be an educational tool and will come with lesson plans and a software library. Zach sent me one of their prototype boards to look at and it looks pretty good. It's only £11 plus shipping 
and will be great for those looking to learn something and have some fun. There's only a few days left on this one, so hurry if you'd like to back it. A brand new Kickstarter wants to put retro gaming back in your hands, all based around a Raspberry Pi Zero. The Raspberry Pi Boy is a molded case, custom circuit board and other parts to make a handheld retro gaming console. At the moment you can get the whole kit for €59 Euros plus postage. It looks pretty cool and the campaign video shows the assembly process and the console working. I really like it and I've backed it, so take a look in the links if you're interested. Another Kickstarter campaign, this one's from Sixfab. It's for a collection of IoT boards that allow your Raspberry Pi to connect to the mobile networks via GPRS, 3G and 4G networks. They've also got a pretty good GPS board on there as well. These are great boards because it means assuming you can provide power to your Pi, that you can receive things like remote sensor readings and communicate with your Pi via the mobile network. Again, there's only a few days left on this one if you want to grab one of the boards. I believe it's already funded, so it'll just be a case of ordering. That's it for crowdfunding for this week. Right, events. This is going to take a while because there's quite a lot of events news. First up, I just want to share the news that spectator tickets for Pi Wars are now on sale. The event takes place in Cambridge on the 1st and 2nd of April next year. And this is our Raspberry Pi Robotics Challenge competition. The first day sees over 30 school teams taking part, and the second day is for beginners, intermediates and advanced non-school teams. It's looking to be a great event, and Tim Richardson is just about to start work building the courses for the seven challenges. We'll be giving out reminders about tickets over the next few months, but if you fancy treating yourself to an early Christmas present, head over to Eventbrite by following the link in the blog post, or visiting piewars.org. Also in Piewars news, we've had words of a Piewars-like event in Kosovo, of all places. In the small town of Steam, British engineer Andy Moxon runs a club called Young Innovators. The club aims to bring to life maths and physics, while also teaching the students programming and robotics. He's currently preparing his two classes for the Kosovo equivalent of Piewars competition that will be happening this month. Now for an event that a lot of you will have been waiting to hear about. The Raspberry Pi 5th birthday weekend will take place from Saturday the 4th to Sunday the 5th of March 2017 at Cambridge Junction. This is a different venue from previous years and is being run by staff from the Raspberry Pi Foundation rather than myself and Tim, so expect it to feel a little bit different. The event starts at 10am on Saturday and ends at 6.30pm on Saturday and 5pm on Sunday. There's a travel lodge on site in case you need accommodation. They're asking for people to register their interest in helping if you'd like to and it's great fun to help. So please fill out the form that's attached to the end of the blog post. Right, on to some events that are a bit closer. On to some events which are a little closer. On the 10th of November, which is this Saturday, there are Raspberry Jams in Kuala Lumpur, Manchester, Sittingbourne in Kent, Torbay Tech Jam. Next week there are jams in Tokyo, Horsham in Sussex, Stafford, Bedworth near Nuneaton and Bogota. And the week commencing the 18th of December there are a couple of jams in Pitsy, Essex and Seattle. There are several events in January including long-running Egham Jam on Sunday the 22nd. As always, it's a good event to go along to if you're in the area. 
For more details for, about these events and to register for them, head over to the Raspberry Jam map at raspberrypi.org slash jam. Remember, if you want to advertise your event on this podcast, just make sure it's on the Raspberry Pi calendar and I'll pick it up next time I prepare for an episode. You can also send me an audio clip if you'd like, telling me about your jam and I'll edit it into the podcast. That's it for events. On to projects. Elizabeth Demaray, in collaboration with computer scientist Ahmed Elgamal and Rutger University's Art and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, have developed a way to determine if music affects the moods and habits of birds. Masquerading as a bird table, Pandora Bird plays music in the background while birds eat from the table. A Raspberry Pi plays the music and has a camera for monitoring how long the birds stay on the table. If the bird is still there when the music ends, the pie cues up another from the same genre to see if the bird will stay to listen. The next one is not so much a project as a website that is just incredibly useful. Pinout.xyz, or XYZ if you're in America, is a fantastic database of add-on boards to the Raspberry Pi that shows you what GPIO pins are being used, what for, and which ones are there for free. It was created by Phil Howard, who now works for Pin Moroni, and between him and RogueHal13 on Twitter, there are dozens of add-on boards now catalogued. It's pinout.xyz. Seb Lee Delisle is a digital artist who decided to bring some Internet of Things magic to his Christmas decorations. He's taken a Raspberry Pi and some addressable fairy lights and rigged up an alphabet display on his wall. You log into the web interface and then click on the letters shown to activate the real-life lights in his home. It's very neat, though slightly strange, and he's written the whole thing up as a tutorial, so if you want to have your own wall of letter lights, you can. Robin Bustle has created a Nixie Tube clock, and we all like Nixie Tube clocks, that listens out for a Twitter hashtag, which is hashtag NixieBotShowMe, and then displays the tweet text on the tubes. It then uses a Raspberry Pi to take photographs of the message, bundle them up into an animated GIF if necessary, and tweets it back at you. Pretty darn quickly, actually. I tried a pretty long message, and it didn't quite work, but it's still pretty cool, especially for short messages. And you can read more about the project over at hackaday.io. Over at DesignSpark, our friend Dr. Lucy Rogers has written a great tutorial which fuses the Raspberry Pi 3D printing an ESP8266 module and some NeoPixels into a bus warning system. The system has the following features. A visual alert to tell you to leave for the bus stop and your bus will miraculously arrive just after you do. Hashtag where is my bus will also warn you if there are no buses running so you can make other plans. And if that isn't enough, when it's not in use as a bus alert, it becomes a hashtag cheerlights light. It uses a combination of Arduino code and Lucy's favourite language, Node-RED. You can, you can download all the files you need, including the 3D printing files for the bus itself, and read along with a tutorial over at DesignSpark. I'll put the link in the blog post. A Mexican team of Paloma Lopez, Leslie Garcia and Emmanuel Aguiano, together they're known as Interspecifics, have created a nature-driven musical instrument. Microritmos is an art installation in which music is generated by patterns formed by bacterial cells. The material is called Geobacter, which is an anaerobic bacteria found in sediment. All the code for the experiment can be found online. 
The comments are in Spanish, but careful use of Google Translate can help you find your way through the code. The hardware is based around a Raspberry Pi B Plus and camera module with an Arduino. The music synthesis is done by a Super Collider, and the bacteria triggers lights to be activated and variations in the cells produce patterns. The Python program learns as the patterns are watched, and that information is sent into the synthesizer. It's live coding created by a biological process. It's miraculous, I think, fusing biology with technology. Next project, James Paul has taken a string of NeoPixels and hooked it up to an Arduino. He's then taken a Raspberry Pi and used it to control the Arduino via a web interface. James then mounted the whole lot on a block of wood and a metal strip to turn it into a rough piece of furniture. Much blinkiness, and he's uploaded all the code so you can try it out yourself, and you can read more about it over on his blog. For my featured project, I've chosen this next one. US-based 8th grade student Amelia Day wanted to fuse her love of soccer, or football, and her engineering skills into a project for school. So she took a ball, filled it with sensors, LEDs, buzzers, and of course a Raspberry Pi. It was designed initially to be a soccer, football, training aid, and it soon became clear that it could be used for much more than that. She worked out that it could be used as a physical and mental rehabilitation aid for stroke therapy patients, the idea being that kicking the ball correctly would build muscle memory and potentially create new neural pathways. Amelia entered the 3M Young Science Challenge 2016 competition and placed third runner-up. I think this is a terrific project from such a young person, really thinking outside the box, or in this case, the ball. That's it for this episode. Hopefully the quality isn't too bad. I'm having to record it um, via the webcam on my Chromebook um, because my camcorder battery's flat and my wife has lost the charger. Please don't tell her I told you. The next podcast is likely to be in the new year and I'll aim to record it during the Christmas holidays. Catch you next time. Merry Christmas.